Are you ready? Yeah. Are you with it? Yeah. Okay, let's go. You know what to do. The whole world's watching and counting on you. And all you people listening out there, everybody, everywhere. Hang on, hang on, hang on! Welcome to Checkered Past, a loving postmodern examination of the Go-Go Check branded comic magazines published by DC Comics between February 1966 and August 1967. I'm Dr. Bob, and each week I'll be your guide on this trippy tour through 535 mid-century masterpieces of graphic noveldom. This week, Green Lantern number 45. Cover date, June 1966. Cover price, 12 cents. Cover artist, Gil Kane. Edited by Julia Schwartz. Featuring Prince Peril's Power Play. Written by John Broom. Art by Gil Kane and Sid Green. Are you ready? Are you with it? Then away we go-go. Ramya of Mirg is forced by her people into a marriage with Prince Peril, a man she detests. Rather than marry Peril, Ramya journeys to Earth 2 to find a husband. She meets Doiby Dickles, who decides to introduce Ramya to original Green Lantern, Alan Scott. Confused? Don't worry, I'll be right back with Dr. Husband, who loves Earth 2, to explain everything. Green Lantern, Green Lantern, Green Lantern, Green Lantern, wherever he goes, his multidimensional doppelganger goes to, goes to, I'm still working on that song. Um, oh, I'm helping. Hey. Hiya. I told a lie earlier. You did not. What'd you say? Well, it's say? a half lie. Okay, go Half on. truth. What? Would, is, do you call it a half lie or half truth? Uh, I don't know. Usually you end most of our discussions with, agree to disagree. Um, that was a snotty voice that you just said that in. That was your and voice. And also, <laughs> in my memory, you're a well-known hater of the concept of Earth 2. Okay. But you claim to have no memory of that. Well, no, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm actually not going to deny that I have proclaimed uh, annoyance and possibly uh, intolerance for the concept of multiple Earths. However... Um, I will concede that I was absolutely wrong as, as each week passes with us spending more time in the world of DC comics, I have become more and more accepting of certain truths and actually, dare I say, fond of the DC universe. My evil scheme is working. Um, and actually scientists recently, uh, proved the existence of proved well proved. discovered Jesus Christ Trump evidence. is still president they didn't prove anything discovered evidence of a parallel dimension where time runs backwards oh yeah so I thought that would pique your interest yeah um, Green Lantern number 45 it's a timely issue as this is the 80th anniversary of Green Lantern is it really yep Oh, I wish I had a whole week just to sit down and read Green Lantern comics. Well, I can arrange that for you. Uh, I'm, I'm, 
I wish I had a whole week off from work so I could sit down and read Green Lantern comics on a beach. Why don't you uh, get coronavirus? I'm using oh, quotation good marks. God, don't ever say anything like that again. Well, I mean, again, no. again. All you have to do is say you're like, you have a sore throat and you're tired and then everyone will think you have it. It doesn't work like that. Well, agree to disagree. <laughs> Green Lantern Alan Scott, not to be confused with mediocre musical theater composer Scott Allen, debuted in All American Comics number 16, published in 1940. He was created by Mart Nor- Nodell. Sorry, Mart Nodell. Uh-huh. That's correct. Uh, after Nodell became inspired by the characters from Greek and Norse myths, seeking to create a popular entertainment character who fought evil with the aid of a magic ring that grants him a variety of supernatural powers. After debuting in All-American Comics, Alan Scott soon became popular enough to sustain his own comic book, Green Lantern. Uh, he had a sidekick, Doiby Dickles, whom we'll meet today. Jeez. He has two children, the twins, Jade and Obsidian. Wait, who does? Alan Scott. Okay. They're not born yet in okay. this comic. Right. Um, each with powers a bit like his own. Um, he had uh, Streaky, the super dog sidekick, toward the end of his run in All-American Comics. And what? in the 2000s, he was rebooted as a young gay man. Mm, Kyle Rayner. No. Kyle. No. No. Okay, I'm wrong. Alan Scott. Alan Scott. He was just a oh, new sorry, Alan Scott yeah, who was gay. Okay. Um, and was got powers from his role as champion of the green, an entity embodying plant life on Earth. Any questions? No. Oh. Well, then, let's look at the issue. Can the doubled might of two Green Lanterns prove a match for Prince Peril's power play? Bob. Yeah. I was just reminded of something. Yes. I think you used the word piqued your interest a little while ago. Yes, P-I-Q-U-E-D. Yes, and it reminded me of a time that I made a fool of myself. How so? Well, it was in my days when we were working in Washington, D.C., and I was fresh out of college with Mm -hmm. my doctorate. You know that's the nation's capital. And I was working in arts admin at the time and someone wanted me to was inviting me to apply for a position of an executive director of a coral society yes a large coral society which i will not name right now right and i had only used the word peaked peaked my interest or peaked interest in speech and never did not remember uh seeing it written down and so i replied to them in an email you have piqued my interest, and oh, I did not spell no. it correctly. I spelled P-E-A-K-E-D, and I was corrected by the person in the email. And I remember being really embarrassed because this was for an executive director position, and an executive director of this particular organization probably would have known how to have spelled that correctly. Um, A, the person who corrected you in an email is an asshole. B... I've seen a lot of emails from executive directors, and I dare say not one of them would use the word correctly. I see. In speech or writing. I would say that in email, people make a lot of mistakes. I myself, uh, because I write so many emails, I, I have typos that I, 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 because I type so quickly. Right, right, right. But um, anyway, um, and, and I just want to say the person who corrected me actually is someone that we like, and um, he wasn't an asshole. Oh, and it's okay. It's okay. okay. Yeah. Are they listening? No. Okay. No, 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 no. Um, I, how do they know it wasn't autocorrect? Uh, 
it was just a friendly um, edit. You are um, scribbling things down on an envelope over there. Are don't, you writing a shopping don't pay list? attention to me. Well, I have to because I if you're starts from Green Lantern. But if you're scribbling, then I have to carry the show myself, oh, and I don't have enough words. Attention. I am I'm writing down Green Lantern's creed. His when he recharges his is better. Writing it down, you don't have it memorized? I, well, it's the last part that I can't remember. It's, in you know, brightest day, day, blackest night, night, no evil shall escape my sight. Let those, let those who, who worship evil's might beware my power, Green Lantern's light. light. It's let those who worship evil's might that I can't remember. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power, Green Lantern's light. Hey, I have to That's Google something. That's what I was something. scribbling. Right. Um, I think Alan Scott had a different oath. Was he a gay wad? I just explained I, I'm that. I'm just kidding. I just, you didn't say gay wad. I just, I wanted to say well, gay so wad. gay wad's not the correct term. Was he a homosexual? Uh, he did. Well, as I said, he was rebooted in the 2000s. I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just filling. You are, I, I went from scribbling on my piece of paper yeah. some little facts here, and now you're on your interwebs. Are you ready? No, I've I got am. the oath. Okay, go ahead. It begins with an ellipsis. An ellipsis? Ellipsis. And I shall shed my light over dark evil, for the dark things cannot stand the light, the light of the Green Lantern. You know, I like them both. I do, too. I especially love Alan Scott's origin story, as reprinted in Origins of DC Comics, which I checked out of the local library when I was a child, Mm -hmm. over and over and over again. Tell me more. Well, that's it. It was a hardbound book, and it had Origins... Of all the major superheroes, <clears throat> and in the case where they had different origins for Earth, Earth One and Earth Two version, they had both origin stories. Do you own it now? No, I wish. Oh, wow. um, maybe you could get me for that for my birthday. What's it called? Origins of DC Comics or something like that. I'll get you the precise link to purchase it. Um, anyway, so Alan Scott was a caboose man on a railroad train, uh-huh. and. Uh, he had this lantern, a green lantern, mm-hmm. which he used for his caboose duties. Okay. And uh, apparently there was a rival caboose man that set a bomb on the tracks and the train crashed and Alan Scott was the only survivor. So then the green lantern came to life and told him that hundreds of years ago it had fallen to earth as a meteor mm-hmm. and it fell in China and um, that it would had act three times, once to bring death, once to bring life, and once to bring power. So this ancient Chinaman carved the meteor into a lamp, but uh, the men in the village feared him, so they were going to kill him, but the lamp sprung to life and killed all the men. And then hundreds of years later, there was an insane person in an asylum who had a fascination with lamps, so he got this ancient lamp and he turned it into a modern-looking railroad lantern. Hmm. And then it turned him sane. Hmm. So that was the second part of the prophecy. And then now the third part was that it saved Alan Scott's life and gave him power. So he forged a ring out of a piece of the lantern and touched it to the lantern and that gave him his Green Lantern powers. Wow. Right? You know what I read this morning? What? Exodus 3.14. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah, that's... How'd that come to be? I don't. I just started reading about this, uh, reading this daily devotional thing. I don't know. I'm just sort of reading it because it's a troubled time right now. And mm-hmm. we all have our whatever. Sure. 
Um, and so I was just reading about that, and I thought it was so interesting that um, in this this is a passage where God says to Moses, "I am who I am," and say to these to people, to people of Israel, "I am He, I am." Right. Who sent you? You know, and I just think it's so fascinating to be like God saying, "You know what? I am who I am." That's- is um, is God Popeye? Right, I am what I am. Um, <laughs> I love the movie version of that story with Charlton Heston. Oh, isn't it great? Mm-hmm. Yes. Ann Baxter. Mm-hmm. Oh, Moses. Moses. Where's your God now? Mo- Wait. Where's your God now, Moses? That's it. Yeah. Edward G. Robinson. No yeah. relation. My dad used to, oh, my dad and I used to laugh over that. When he was alive, oh, he'd have such fun. Whenever, whenever, whenever we'd make fun of anything or share a joke, he'd always throw in, Where's your God now, Moses? <laughs> Anyway, no wonder Princess Ramia was apprehensive. What do you call her? Princess Ramia. Is it Ramia? Ramia or Ramia? It's a stupid name, but this let's is like just a call Villo Vilo situation. Uh, what you say? It's like, like a Villo Vilo situation. Right, let's last call her Ramia. Okay. Uh, no wonder Princess Ramia is apprehensive. The villainous Prince Peril had enormous super scientific weapons at his command. Could even the combined might of two Green Lanterns match his formidable futuristic power? The conclusion of this story will startle you, reader. So consider yourself forewarned as you begin the remarkable tale of Prince Peril's power play. Uh, you're familiar with. How these Earth One Earth Two situations came to be? Uh, conflicting origin stories, or, or multiple multiple versions, or multiple multiple lives, if you will. I'm sorry, I'm trying no. to sort of think of 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 the different characters, and then they realize, oh, you know what, we've got to set this all straight. So we're just, this story happened on Earth One. This story happened on Earth Two. So you're in kind the ballpark. Of. Did it start with Wonder Woman? Well, no. So here's the situation. Uh, in the 1940s, mm-hmm. all these many superheroes were published. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of the 1940s, superheroes kind of were going out of fashion. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the comics were canceled. With the exception of Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, uh, Aquaman, and Green Arrow. Superman, Batman. Let's just say Wonder Superman, Woman, Batman, uh, Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so they continued being published, right? Mm-hmm. Up until the 1950s and 60s. Mm-hmm. Well, in the 1950s, all of a sudden it's space age, right? Everyone wants super jet powers and everything. So superheroes made a comeback. The problem is, instead of just bringing back the original characters, they created new characters. So a new Flash, new Green Lantern, new Hawkman, new Adam. New origin stories, new... new Everything new, new lives, new lives, new secret identities. Foes. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Okay. So now you had a situation where Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman had been continuously published, but all these new characters all of a sudden show up, existing in the same world. Do we as, call that pre that t- that earlier age, the Golden Age, the nineteen forties Golden Age? Yes, nineteen fifties and sixties Silver, Silver Age. age. Yeah. Uh, so. But you still had people reading comics who had read the original 1940s stories and saw they were mm. concerned with what had happened to the original characters. So Palpitating. Just, yes. Just, yes. Just breasts heaving. <sighs> writing letters to the editor. Exactly. Right? So they came up with this, this concept. This can't have happened. Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> that was my letter that was published last week. Um <laughs> So this concept that, you know, the 1940s had happened on Earth 1, or Earth 2, sorry, and the 1950s and 60s happened on Earth 1. So Earth 2 then, of course, had its own version of Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, okay. etc. Okay. Are we clear? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, 
then, you know, the Justice Society of America, who existed on Earth 2, and the Justice League of America, who existed on Earth 1, would have yearly team-ups in the pages of Justice League of America. But these issues where solo heroes would meet with their Earth 2 counterparts, those were a little more rare. Do you know where I was really... I think just bothered by the whole Earth 1, Earth 2 business, and it's a simple thing for someone who, who hasn't been reading comics all his life, mm-hmm. was I really wanted to, to get into that Flash television show with you. Yeah. But as you know, in the evenings, I would often practice guitar or piano when you would, you would watch, your, watch your programs, uh-huh. as it were. And so much happened in that Flash television show that no one's on right now. Mm-hmm. The, by the time that I came in, the people that were evil weren't evil. The people that were dumb were, were now smart. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I just thought, oh, God. And, of course, you were following with it all so well. You knew everything that was, that was happening. Well, and, it's kind of gone off the rails, if I'm being honest. Oh, okay. Well, I just thought, and, and I tried to get you to explain it to me, and I just threw my hands up in the air and said, this is just so stupid. And it really wasn't about... The comics themselves, as it was, just the idea of multiple Earths and Earths intersecting and stuff. But, you know, if it happens in Green Lantern, it's fine. Right, because you love Green Lantern. Yeah. How is it that you came to love Green Lantern? Hal Jordan, of course, we're talking about now. I honestly first fell in love with Green Lantern in the um, Justice League cartoons, I think it was. Nope, that couldn't have happened. Nope. Super Friends? Super Friends. Yep, cartoons. Okay. And then there was that fantastic live action, campy, horrible Legends of the Superheroes from the 1970s, two I, episodes. I practically fainted. I, and at what year was it? 76? 70. 70 it, it was 70 was, something. 77, not, 78. Oh, it was not 78. There's no way it was 78. Let's just goggle it real quick. I think it was 76. No. Because Marshall Warfield was in it. I'm going to 1979. Oh, my God. How is that possible? I don't know. Wait, wait, wait. How old are you in first grade? Six? Yep. I I have placed this in my mind in the wrong geographic location. Wow. I remember, I recall watching it in first grade when we still lived in Florida, in Miami. Mm Mm-hmm. And... Actually, 79, I would have been eight years old, and therefore I would have been in third grade, which right. would have definitely put me in New Smyrna Beach. Legends of the Superheroes is an umbrella title for two 60-minute live-action television specials produced by Hanna-Barbera Productions that aired on NBC on January 18th and 25th, 1979. Loosely based on Super Friends animated series, then airing on Saturday mornings, but served as a reunion of sorts for the 1960s Batman TV series as it brings back together three of its stars reprising their respective roles. Of course, that's Adam West, Burt Ward, and... Uh, Julie Newmar. No, Riddler. Oh. Uh, oh, 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 oh. No one cares about him. Well, yes, I do. He was the best villain ever. What was his name? Frank Gorshin. Phew. Bob. Was Green Lantern in that? Yes. I thought so. Yes. Uh, we well, that's, had, where, that's where my heart just went crazy. I was so excited because I think that must have been Lent or something because it was some kind of enforced, I had to go to church. And so I read about these shows in the newspaper, mm-hmm. but then didn't get to watch them. And of course that was before videotape or anything, right, right? Right. So I think I saw the second one, which was the roast episode, but I never saw the first oh one. Oh my God. Right. You saw the roast? 
Yeah. Which is horrible. It really It's the, so bad. The adventure one isn't great Well, honestly, either. they could have just paraded the back and forth on the screen and had them fight each other and fly around as a, you know, at my age, and I would have been fascinated by right. it. Right. You know, I didn't care. Um, I remember the canary, Black Canary. Yes, we had yeah. Batman and Robin, Black Canary and Huntress, mm-hmm. uh, Captain Marvel, Green Lantern, Flash, and Hawkman. Hmm. And the opening sequence was so awesome. It had, like, green or a black canary doing jujitsu flips and things. Mm-hmm. It had everybody doing all these cool moves. Mm-hmm. And then the roast happens. <laughs> do, 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 do. Boy, we have really just, we haven't gotten anywhere. We in the have story. not talked about one panel of this comic. I know a listener who's going to be very angry cutting his grass, listening to us banter back and forth and not getting through the story. No, it's what he lives for. <laughs> Once upon a time, there lived a princess. Sounds like a corny opening, but it fits in, as you'll eventually see. It's written by John Broom, not Gardner Fox, though he's getting awfully close to breaking the fourth wall. Uh, awfully close. On the world of Mirg in Galaxy 882. That's a terrible name for a world. Mirg. So the princess Ramia mm-hmm. is being forced to marry Prince Peril. Because, of course, as all good queens, she has to provide an heir to the throne. That's her job. Um, Not enough for her just to rule. Actually, I mean, her job, yes. Her job is to be the queen. So, Mm -hmm. fuck all y'all. She (laughs) needs to be pregnant. Um, She detests Prince Peril. And so she orders her spaceship up. Says to her attendant, I have looked all over Mirg. And there isn't a man here I'd live with for ten minutes, let alone a lifetime. So she sets off in her spaceship, which is going to another world. Hold the wire, please. Yes. First disappointment. Yeah. There weren't many in this at all. This spaceship looks like a canister vacuum cleaner. It looks like one of those rainbow vacuum cleaners from the 1960s. Uh Uh-huh. And I know from all the sketches and the television shows that we were watching, even in black and white, Prior to this time, they had more sleek designs of spaceships. This looks like she converted a countertop percolator into a spaceship. In defense of our favorite artist of male posteriors, Gil Kane, mm-hmm. this world seems to be some sort of mashup of futuristic science and medieval weaponry. Mm-hmm. So maybe he didn't want a sleek design because it was a clunky, steampunky, medieval kind of world. Yeah, this like Norse yeah. kind of influence here. Very much of a Jack Kirby-esque influence. Listen, I could say yes, about. but I won't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so... Think of like Thor, the Thor movie. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's very much that kind okay, of design. Yeah. yeah. Um, so she sets off. Now, my question is Does Mirg exist in the Earth 2 universe? Well, she didn't go into a different dimension. Well, it doesn't say that, but she is going to end up on Earth 2, right? Uh, let's just assume that it ends, that, that it is in Earth 2 universe because. She just simply travels right. the universe. She says, I'm going to travel. I've looked all over Mirg, and there isn't a man here uh, I'd live with for 10 minutes, let alone uh, a lifetime. There's only one thing for me to do. I'm going to look elsewhere on other worlds 
for a husband. So she doesn't go to other dimensions. She yeah. goes to other worlds within her universe. Anyway, on Earth 2. I'm only saying that because it's a surprise that she goes to another dimension here soon. This this fucking sidekick. What? Doiby? Oh Doiby Dickles. God. What's wrong with him? Just wait till we get to his dialogue. Well, he's a tough guy. He talks like he's from Brooklyn. And he talks about his Doiby hat mm. and his taxi cab, Goytrude. Goytrude. Um... Doiby Dickles was introduced in, I don't know what year, but he was a longtime sidekick for Green Lantern, Alan Scott. Um, In the days of the 1940s, as I said, superheroes were going out of fashion. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it was already starting in the early 1940s because lots of superheroes had these comedic sidekicks traveling around with them. Mm -hmm. In some cases, the comedic sidekicks took over the entire strip. Eventually. Like Gleek? Uh, Gleek would be an extreme example, but mm-hmm. like Streaky the Wonder Dog eventually had his own solo stories. Um, uh, Captain Butler's my Streaky. Yes. And he's got plenty of solo stories that happen while I'm home alone during the day with him trying to work. <laughs> <clears throat> so Doiby, who is Alan Scott's longtime chauffeur in his taxicab, Goitrude. Goitrude. Uh, is driving to the opening of Spaceland, which is a new giant amusement center that will be Spaceland. open to the public. And Alan Scott, in his role of president of Gotham Broadcasting, mm-hmm. will be attending the opening. Didn't the Challengers of the Unknown work they in an amusement park last week? Mm-hmm. And didn't Eclipso, wasn't he in some sort of futuristic amusement park one time? Maybe. Yeah, just trust me on that, yes. Um... Off they go to Spaceland, and the dignitarians are shown around the various exhibitions. Mm-hmm. One of the exhibits... I love that they say, soon the dignitarians yeah, are shown... Why did you put it in, air, in quotes? Well, I don't know. And it shouldn't it be dignitaries? Yes, dignitaries. When, it, when I saw it in quotes, I heard your voice. Soon the dignitarians are Good shown call. around the... What? Good call. I'm Thank glad you. I've influenced your inner... Voice that stupid spaceship on the. Are you on the next page? Not yet, because I no. want to say that one of the exhibits is that they're beaming radio signals into space. Mm-hmm. You know that's very controversial. You know about SETI, which is trying to read radio broadcasts from space. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of people who think that we should be broadcasting into space, and that's a controversial subject because Stephen Hawking famously said. No, because if there are aliens, that will alert them to our existence, and they'll come and murder us. But I saw the movie Contact with Jodie Foster. Yes. Our radio waves are already traveling outside of yes, the universe. Yes, but only for like 80 years worth, because that's how long. Oh. And you know what else? Now they, there's, we're invisible now, because all the television has gone cable. So we're off the we're off the we're grid. We're off the grid in space. My goodness! I know. What day of the week is it today? It's uh, when Wednesday. Wednesday, the lawn mowing has started. Um, are you kidding me? Can you hear it? Yes. There ought to be a law. Mm. It's going to thunderstorm within the hour. These people can't be out in the dangerous weather mowing their lawns. <laughs> so important to our neighbors. I hate. Everything. In fairness, yes, we live in one of the most beautiful neighborhoods I've ever seen. 
Except it's like a for park. the noise pollution. Well, I can't oh. hear myself think sometimes. Oh. Anyway, Prince Ramia lands in the middle of space land, <laughs> and Doiby Dickles goes stupid when he sees her. Glyph Glumph Glorb. Yeah, what's up with that? Uses perfect, uses gorgeous, uses the most wonderful sight that any man on any world could want to see. How'd I do? Good, except that he's talking to this car. Well, he was yeah. talking to his car, yes. Right, Goytrude. Right, right, right. Goytrude. Yeah. Um, I learned how to speak Brooklynese early in my life by reading The Adventures of Spooky, the Tough Little Ghost, <laughs> who could be the ghost of Doiby Dickles. They have exactly the same speech pattern. You're right. And he has a girlfriend named Poyle. Is it a, is it a DC comic? No, <clears throat> Harvey Comics. He's Casper's Harvey. cousin. Oh, okay. Um, a Wait ca- a second. Casper's cousin? Yeah. What, do they all die together? I, it must have been some kind of red wedding situation, yes. Because Casper's <laughs> three uncles. He lives with his three uncles. Oh, my God. Bachelor uncles. Bachelor wink, uncles, wink. Forever. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I cut my teeth on Harvey Comics. It was my gateway drug. <laughs> Did Casper kill himself? No, actually, they said that Casper was sprung fully formed from the head of Zeus as a ghost. Like, he didn't. he was not a living person that died. I know the movie version, he was a child that had died. But in Harvey Comics, official line is that all the ghost characters were just ghosts. Like, you know, fairies or leprechauns. There was a class of mythological creature of, of ghosts. They that aren't just, spirits that have business to take care of and no, haven't moved on. No. Yeah. And but you know, tragic ends. Casper had a ghost horse, Nightmare. Oh. Who, obviously, because her name is Mare, she was a girl. Mm-hmm. But I never knew she was a girl. Till I grew up. Oh. I just thought it was a boy with pretty eyelashes. Did she have a compound name, like capital N for night and capital M for mare? Oh, you know I don't remember. Hmm. Uh, maybe in the logo it was a bigger M just for design purposes, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know. It was all one word. Mm. Interested? I could pull some of those comments Absolutely for not. Okay. And, of course, he had his friend Wendy, the good little witch, and hot-stuffed little devil. Glimpf, glumpf, glorb. <laughs> oh, are we still talking about Green Lantern then? hmm My name is Princess Ramia, and I've come from a far-off world, blah, 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 to find a husband. Yeah. So uh, she's, I guess, projecting thoughts. Mm-hmm. She can read thoughts and project thoughts. Mm-hmm. So she's... Instantly fallen in love with the Doiby Dickles. That's so crazy. Why? She says, tell me about yourself, Doiby. I want to hear. Oh, Princeress. Princeress. You can't be interested use, in me. Use. Yeah, you can't be grammar. interested in me. I'm nothing. But hold everything. Right? Yeah. Really interesting. I got just demand for use. He's half her size. Maybe that's what she wants. Well, well if she's the queen, of course she doesn't want any... Want to lord it over well, her. Well, she doesn't want this thing, this you know, Prince Peril. You remember my sainted mother, mm-hmm. how she <laughs> detested my sisters bringing any man home that was shorter than them. I do. Or, in fact, shorter than, I don't know, 6'2". Yeah. He's short. Also, I have a very clear memory of my mother yelling at the television at Katie Couric because she was over 50 years old and had shoulder-length hair. (laughs) (laughs) I guess women over 50 were to have pixie cuts, nothing else. I have a very clear memory of your father in his his retirement years Mm -hmm. when he was 
spending his days, evenings in front of the television, but it's starting his days watching Attitudes, the yes, talk show. with Linda Dano. Linda Dano. And, uh, All I, I can remember is Linda Dano. Names. Linda Dano, yeah. He loved Attitudes. He loved Oprah. He um, also loved General Hospital, and I recently found out. He watched Matlock a lot. Matlock, yes. Touched yeah. by an Angel. Oh, love. Uh, guilty pleasure. Yeah. He I loved all the 70s angel. detective shows, and he loved anything that was, uh, I don't know the word to describe it, Sanford and Son? Uh, sort of stereotyping. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Sitcoms, yeah. Um, he loved those, yeah. Consequently, he did not like things like The Color Purple, even though he loved Oprah. He wouldn't watch Color Purple. Yeah. Anyway, moving back to the comic. Here comes Prince Peril, who's wearing a loincloth. That outfit. It's all covered up on the top and all stripped bare, bare on the bottom. All bare legs on the bottom. You can take a sword to those legs and just cut him right? off at the but knees. He's got armor, uh, yeah. even covering his the fronts of, of, of his hands. Right, right, right. But his groinal area... Is wide open. Doesn't make any sense. Except for that strip of cloth. Well, he's quite a fighter, so maybe he doesn't need... I suppose. To, well, mm-hmm. he's followed Rami here because he's going to take her back and marry her. And uh, Doiby Dickles gets in the middle of it. You hide the Lady Crumb. You hide the Lady Crumb. Get your hooks off of her before I begin to what? Get mad, Get at, mad you. at you. Get mad at you. You're much better at this than I am. Well, I've had a lot of practice. Mm. Uh, so Ramia has already detected the name of Alan Scott within Doiby Dickles' mind. Because mm. Doiby wants her to meet Alan, thinking that Alan will get married. So she mentally summons Alan Scott, telling him that Doiby Dickles is in danger. I'll send out a general thought beam. Keep, <laughs> keep so that only the person named Alan Scott will receive it. Alan Scott. Alan Scott. Because there's probably only one in Gotham City. Um, in Earth, in the all Earth 2. I forgot to tell you this, that Mark Nodell uh, got the name Alan Scott just from looking up at the phone book and finding a name he liked. Okay. The New York phone book. So there probably was just one, Alan Scott. Uh, Alan Scott rushes off in his Green Lantern clothes and flies to the rescue. Uh, he rescues Doiby. He fights Prince Peril and finds that Prince Peril's sword has some kind of sizzling power that emanates out of it, mm-hmm. which he's barely able to parry. With his ring. That's crazy. It is crazy. So you know that uh, Hal Jordan Green Lantern's ring is ineffective against anything colored yellow. yellow. Right. Alan Scott's ring is ineffective against anything made of wood. What? Yeah. Like you could put a ship on top of him, and if he can't lift it, he's just... If the ship's made of wood, wood. yeah, of course. Um, Could be, you know, knocked out with a wooden bat to the back of his head, for instance. Wow. Right. Um, Fight, fight, fight. A good fight sequence here at the top of page... I can't read the page number eight. It's not appearing. Page eight, yes. Um, He disarms Prince Peril... Doiby escapes with the princess, and Green Lantern is punched out. Nice summary there, Bob. Thanks. Um, Prince Peril gets a hold of his sword again, 
tries to kill Green Lantern, and Doiby escapes with the princess in his taxi cab. Goitoy, Goy, Goy, Goytrude. Um, Prince Peril's spaceship then launches a pursuit after the taxi cab. Doiby vows to protect the princess. Mm-hmm. Are you in part two now? Almost. Okay. Who now reveals that she has a dimension changer, a special right? device which will switch us from this dimension to the next one. On her belt. Along with your vehicle. Don't know where we may land, but we must take the chance. Now, Doiby happens to know of another dimension. Mm-hmm. Uh, which happens to be Earth One, home of Hal Jordan Green Lantern. He's never been, but he knows all about it, of course. He's heard about it from Alan friend, Scott. Alan Scott's told him all about Earth One, right. blah, blah, blah. And Doiby does know that Alan Scott is Green Lantern. Oh, yeah. Yes. In fact, um, I believe that may be the earliest case of a superhero revealing their secret identity to anyone. Certainly in DC Comics mm-hmm. it was the earliest. Do you know, originally... Lois Lane was to know Superman's identity and be his secret helper. No. Yes. Isn't that interesting? Yes. How things would have changed. I have a, I have a wish that I wish would have come true. What? That Superman would reveal his identity to Lois. Mm-hmm. And she would just like look at him and say, you fucking idiot. <laughs> Who do you think you're fooling? Of course, I, of course we, I know. I know. Jimmy we, knows. Perry White knows. Lana knows. Everybody fucking we've knows. We've just been in this long game the whole time. for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wouldn't that be awesome? That would be If awesome. I were writing comics, that's how it would go down. <laughs> um, so they end up on Earth One. Like the artwork. Well, it's Gil Kane. Mm-hmm. We were long appreciated his... Uh, Wait, I thought John Broom did this. John Broom's a writer. Okay. Gil Kane's the artist. And yeah. we admire his male anatomical Oh my drawings. god, he's the best drawer. Male anatomy. Male <laughs> so it just so happens that Doiby has this flare gun that shoots a Green Lantern symbol into the air. To When he's on Earth 2, he summons help. Right? Because he's been there before? No, it's, well, he uses it on Earth 2. It's oh, like, on Earth 2. Okay, like yes, so we're on Earth 1 now. Yep, yep, yeah, yep, yep, yep. yep. So he's on Earth One, but he shoots that into the air, and Hal Jordan, test pilot, is maneuvering a jet plane nearby. And he and says, oh, what's Doiby Dickel's signal? <laughs> because I've heard Alan just happened to mention that Doiby Dickel's has a flare gun signal. Okay, John Broom. <laughs> um, they sure talk a lot for being from other dimensions. Mm-hmm. So he puts the jet on autopilot. <laughs> Deep, boop, 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 bye. And he flies away. Flies away to answer the distress call, where he finds that Prince Peril has followed them to Earth One and is beating up on Doiby. Prince Peril is gigantic. He must be eight feet tall. Yeah, at least. Maybe. It's, well, maybe so is Ramia. Maybe that's why she towers over Doiby so that she's because he's a lot bigger than Hal. Well, yeah. yeah. Taller. He's taller than Hal. Um, he's bigger than Hal. Look at it. You can tell in a few, a few pages ahead how much taller he is. Hal arrives at the scene, and Doiby explains that this is Prince Peril from another world. Ramia's beaming her telepathic suggestions mm-hmm. all along. Uh, the sword is powered by Q energy, apparently. Already he has used it to overcome your friend Alan Scott, and now he's coming after you. Mm-hmm. Uh oh. 
Hal forgot to charge his power ring. This is crazy. My ring is running out of power. I just remembered I haven't charged it since yesterday. Make that part of your morning routine, Hal Jordan. Right? Coffee, shaving, charge your ring. Charge your ring. Say the oath. (laughs) I mean, honestly, if you had a magic ring. That could do anything that you could conceive of. Right. Wouldn't you charge it every morning? Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. I would. Do we charge our phones every night? Yes. Well, can you just like, you know, yes, just like set it on top of the lantern when you go to bed. And then it's charged. When you wake you up, it's charged. You have to say the oath. Fine. But do you, though? Yes, you have to say the oath. I'm not sure that that's canonical. I think you can charge it without saying the oath. I think the oath is just a nice flourish. Because what if you're, what if it's an emergency situation? You're just like, I need to charge, touch, charge, go. I don't know. Like when you have your charger in your luggage at the airport. Mm-hmm. You just plug it in quick. Okay. And you can press the button that makes it charge super fast. I don't doubt that that happens, but... Uh, well, anyway, the ring's out of power. Okay. So he uses his last bit of power to melt Prince Perils' sword. Which he does well. Yes. And then they get into a punching match. It's a great shot of GL's ass. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. boy, Lantern. <laughs> uh, look at this panel. I'm on page 15. Yeah. Second panel. Mm-hmm. Uh... Doyby Dickles says, attaboy lantern in the bread basket. He can't take it there. And it's Hal Jordan is clearly punching Prince Peril in the nuts. In the nuts. Yeah. <laughs> that shocked me. For the 60s? Yeah. yeah and Doyby calls it out it's in the bread basket. Well, what I else think the bread basket's supposed to be the, the, um, the, uh, the belly. I, really? I think, well, let me look it up. Okay. Go ahead. In my imagination, Hal Jordan just punched the guy in the nuts, which is awesome. Um, then he punches him on the chin, and they punch, punch, punch. I should mention they're on a movie set, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, all the buildings are just uh, facades, which are being knocked over with every punch. And now they're in an old-timey Western bar movie set, punching, punching, punching. Awesome. What a nice slide across the bar in classic Western movie fashion. Swinging on the chandelier over the bar. Uh Uh-huh. Another classic Western move. And punching into the next room, which is uh, an office building set with a jail cell. So a sheriff's office. Huh. And he locks (laughs) Prince Peril into the fake movie set jail cell. I can't get a good signal for some reason. Oh, okay. I'm going to go back to the comic with you. Okay. Sorry, I was I was trying to look up Breadbasket. Um, um, this is a great sequence of the battle through the bar. I love yeah. these. So he locks him in the jail cell, which is easily overcome by Prince Peril. Yeah, he picks up the entire jail cell. Jail cell and says, slams it over. Don't sell Prince Peril short. C E L L. What sheer if he knows power? How to spell peaked interest. <laughs> What's your power? He's uprooted that cell, which is on a movie set, so it's probably made of styrofoam. Mm. I don't know why he's so astonished at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Hal is knocked out, unconscious. And Prince Peril kidnaps Ramia and Doiby. Takes them right, picks them both up. Like toys. Mm-hmm. Um, he then travels back to Mirg. Mm-hmm. Where he dresses Doiby in a jester's costume. Yeah. 
Not a very flattering look for Doiby. Well, yeah, no, it's not. I think it's the hat. You you don't think it's the striped tights that make him look... No, vertical stripes are very slimming. (laughs) (laughs) It's the the hat that makes his head look like a peanut. Mm. He looks like one of those um, Um, those, uh, pinheads. Yes. Yeah. the wedding is tomorrow, we learned from Doiby's thoughts. Gorn Day on the Mirgian calendar. <laughs> but like we say back on Art, there's many a slip in betwixt to clip and to lip in between to smug and her lips is what I mean. <laughs> Turn the page. What's this? Oh my God! It's, it's Gil, Gil Kane. Kane is... Looking right at us in the panel. And he says, well, anxious readers, what do you think? Will Prince Peril actually get to marry the lovely princess who detests him? He's quite an operator. And he might actually swing it. Except for a couple of things that he knows about. That, that Yeah, a couple of things that he knows about. First off. Right? I wonder how this crazy, came crazy that Gil Kane is just looking at us. I wonder if this was like intentional or if it was like, oh... I don't have enough story to fill these panels. <laughs> well, um, do we have uh, Stan Lee in uh, his comics of Spider-Man yes. was talking to the readers, right? And we've seen this recently. Above. Well, and we had that story with Gardner Fox breaking the fourth wall and the yeah. atom. Um, in DC Comics, certainly in the 70s, there were several issues where... Um, artists and writers appeared as characters, but they were described as coming from Earth Prime, which okay. is our Earth with no superheroes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know of another example of an artist in DC Comics, artist or writer, appearing in story hmm. where it's just like off the cuff. Like, oh, hey, here I am. Don't right. forget that this is a comic book. Yeah, reading. hey, you guys, reading a comic, by the way. Um. Very strange. Anyway, Prince Peril is unaware that Hal Jordan's power ring, bestowed on him by the Guardians of the Universe, automatically protects him from mortal harm, even when there's no juice left in it. Mm. So it's like when your gas tank beeps and Mm -hmm. says there's zero miles left, you actually have like 300 miles left. Not that much. Not that much. Yeah. No. Well, agree to disagree. (laughs) Um, So Green Lantern was knocked unconscious, but not killed. And shortly, in a dressing room at the Ferris Aircraft Hangar, we get the oath. Uh-huh. Oh, were you going to say the oath? No. Okay. We already said it, didn't we? Yes. We said both of them. Um, Fully charged, he sets off for Earth 2 to contact Alan Scott. So what does he do? By means of the two power rings, a sort of trans-dimensional telephone line set up between the green-clad gladiators. So is Alexaphone? Probably something similar, yeah. yes, except it's... Um, Done with their rings. Green Lantern's ring is scientific-based, and Alan Scott's ring is magic Faith-based. Based. <laughs> <laughs> of course, after the crisis on Infinite Earths, when all Earths were merged, they had to explain how Green Lanterns were connected somehow. Oh, and my God. I don't know what they came up with eventually, but anyway, um, he's located the location of Mirg. Mm-hmm. And invited Alan Scott to join him on his transdimensional journey, which I guess has to be back in the Earth Two universe because that's where she came from. That's, this right. is where I, why I was confused because Hal Jordan was tracking it, but 
it's at, he's actually tracking it to the Earth to They don't say, dimension. but you're going to assume that Hal Jordan is meeting Alan Scott by going to Earth. Yeah, I'm, I'm, scanning, never, through the, I'm scanning through all the, the, uh, the boxes to see. Yeah, if he, it yeah. just never says that. No. Where, where, it never says where, in which dimension this right. takes place. Um, so Princess Rami is up there on the balcony with Doi B telling about how much she hates Prince Peril. In come the dual Green Lanterns mm-hmm. uh, to attack Prince Peril. Great full page spread. They open up a can of whoop ass on him and his people. That is extraordinary. They surrender immediately. Oh yeah. Um, Prince Look Peril's, at a great Prince Peril. Thanks. Going I'm up glad he has that diaper, right? Or we'd be <laughs> saying a little more of Prince Peril than we care to. Mm-hmm. Um. So some days later, Prince Peril is in prison. Yeah. Peace has been restored on Mirg, and the leaders of the warlike element have been imprisoned. The guard bringing him his food. What's he got on his head? Um, it looks like... A double like, helmet? Well, it looks like that thing that you just got to roll on your back. Oh, For yes. your back pain. Yeah. It's like a spiked... Roller thingy? Tire but... of some kind. Mm. Uh, with... Yeah, I don't know where it is. <laughs> um, Gil Kane reappears. Hi, Gil! So... We missed you. Princess, it's been pages since we've seen you. <laughs> the princess is getting married. But you're wondering, whom did she choose? What well, before we go hell? into that, let's take a look at a couple of gallant possibilities whom she did not choose. Mm-hmm. She did not choose Hal Jordan Green Lantern of mm-hmm. Earth One, uh, who's back at Ferris Aircraft with his friend. His friend's name is Tom. It's not Pie Face, but he calls him Pie Face now. Mm-hmm. And on Earth 2, Alan Scott is back in his role as president of Global Broadcasting Company. Mm -hmm. Then we get another panel with, hey there, Gil Kane. Kane. So she didn't choose either of the Green Lanterns. Then who? Well, brace yourself, reader, and remember that anywhere in the universe, a woman is the least predictable of creatures. Couldn't get through the story without any misogyny. Thank you. She's going to marry Doiby Dickles. Who saw that coming? Not me. Well, I did because I actually knew this was going to happen. Okay. By my it's, Does this mean that we don't get knowledge. to see Doiby Dickles anymore because he's on a different planet? Well, we do see him again. Um, I don't have my citation in front of me, but mm-hmm. he uh, eventually actually forces, not forces, but he influences the entire planet to become somewhat like 1940s Brooklyn in technology and dress and custom. Okay. And then he does return to Earth uh, in the late 1990s as a member of Old Justice, Mm -hmm. which was a group of former sidekicks Mm -hmm. who were all old people. Cool, cool, cool. Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But, uh, yes, as far as I know, they uh, do remain happily married. Wow. She had to go across the universe to find her man, and she found it in Doiby Dickles. You know, the heart wants what it wants. The heart wants what it wants. Can I plug a book? Sure. I'm reading a book called Cartoon County Mm -hmm. by Colin Murphy. He's an editor of Vanity Fair, and his father was a comic strip artist Mm -hmm. uh, who worked on Prince Valiant, among other strips. And uh, apparently in the 1950s, 
like all the big comic strip artists lived within 20 miles of each other oh. up in upstate New York and okay. Connecticut and the suburbs and things like that. Sure. Um, it's just interesting. It's an oh. interesting look at mid-century America and mm-hmm. also... Uh, Are the photographs of their homes? Oh, there's lots of photographs of their artwork. Okay. Um, and in fact, uh, what's his face? It does Beetle Bailey. Mm-hmm. Mort Walker had a whole notebook of like dirty Beetle Bailey strips. Oh, you're some of those. No, some of those in there. Mm-hmm. It's worth a read. I've had it for several years and I just picked it up this week and started reading it mm. because of the uh, timeless hellscape that we exist in. <laughs> <laughs> timeless hellscape. Feels like that, doesn't it? Yes. Oh, Anything God. to add? Oh, just, you know, be kind to each other. It's Aren't been a rough I, week. Hard I kind oh, to you all. Oh, no, no, no. I meant to our listener. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> be kind to your families. Be kind to yourself. And your communities. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's been great. Thank you so much. for. I'm so excited about, uh, about reading uh, Green Lantern. Um, I've been looking forward to this for several days now. Um, I'm glad. And I'm looking forward to getting back into the rhythm of things now that we are finished with our very, very time-consuming, labor-intensive yard projects yes i won't be doing that again nope you can find us on social media at go go check pod you can rate and review us on apple podcasts or wherever you get your free podcast downloads from and you can join us back here in about a week or sooner or later yeah, we'll be recording a couple this um, weekend yeah you know yeah. we'll do it when we can Bob, yeah. how far along are we? What, what, what episode is this? This is episode 95. Our special 100, 100 episode, episode is coming up. It's going to be a doozy. I cannot wait. Same. Yes. Okay, bye. Bye. bye.